You're listening to The New Paris. We've spoken about the influx of young and foreign talent in Paris and the pursuit of entrepreneurial and artistic ventures, but there's another trend bubbling to the surface, and that's the departure of Parisians to the countryside or even to smaller French cities like Montpellier or Bordeaux. Driven by a desire to retourner à la terre, get back to the land, step away from the frenetic urban routine, lower their cost of living, or simply explore parts unknown, this exodus is on the rise. Today's guests are two chefs who left Paris with a mission of their own, to uncover the people and places preserving traditional farming, baking, agriculture, winemaking, and more. Lise Kwan and Eric Montalion have launched Bonfond, a project they're going to talk to me about today. Thanks for joining us. Bonjour, thanks for having us. Merci. Um, so you're in Paris right now, which obviously means you're not in a van traveling across France. Okay. Uh, this is a temporary stay back in Paris. Um, so let's, let's pretend like we're back in last year when you were planning this big, big, I guess you call it a sabbatical in a way. Um, why now? Why, why was this project relevant for both of you, given your personal professional tra trajectories? Um, and, and why do you think, from a, just a societal point of view, was this the right time to sort of do what you're doing? Well, um, we've been teaching for a few years, and um, I think we were um, in, the, the, in the research to learn more and to go back to learning in, instead of teaching. And uh, probably, like... The big movement influenced us as uh -huh. well to do that trip, but not really. We just talked together and realized we were um, having the same uh, envy to go on the road, learn, meet people, because we've been working in kitchens, uh, having great products, and only the names attached to the products. Mm -hmm. And, oh, this is the strawberries from, oh, this is the um, uh, veggies from Eric Roy. And... We're missing the whole story mm -hmm. before that. And we wanted to go and meet those people if they had time to receive us. Work with this, work with them a bit. Work uh, with them as in, you know, like actually physically do yes. the harvesting and the producing. Exactly. And because we wanted to learn their um, uh, quotidien, their, their uh, days. Uh -huh. And uh, the best ways to actually do it. So when they allow us, we love to go and harvest and drive tractors. And <laughs> wow. Mm. And so for you also, it was, it was the, I mean, it's sort of a, a mutual motivation. Absolutely. This was a journey that we both wanted to do for a long period of time. And as Eric mentioned, we had been teaching cooking classes for a few years. And so we wanted to have this conversation with the producers again and learn more. And after having worked in Michelin-starred kitchens as well as more local, smaller kitchens. We've worked with really exceptional products and you always want to learn more behind the products when you receive these things every day and you get to touch them and smell them and work with them and, and see how much joy other people take in them. Mm -hmm. It really gave us the desire to go and understand how these products are being made, how they're transformed, all the love and work that goes into them. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. Well, and that passion you're talking about really um, feeds into the name Bonfond. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit about how you, was that an easy creative exercise to come up with that name? Was it on a short list of other possibilities? It's, so we had a few different names that we were playing around with, but we wanted something that was really evocative of our profession. So we're, we're 
cooks. And we've been cooking for a long time. Um, me, 15 years, Eric. Longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to put years to it. And so we wanted something that was going to tie into our profession. So in French, when you say something is a, when you have a bon fond, that it, can, it means that you have a good stock, mm-hmm. a good chicken stock, a good veal stock, a good vegetable stock or fish stock. And in colloquial French, it also means that you have a good soul, mm-hmm. that you're a good person. And also it means that you have good foundation. So we loved this three different definitions of what bon fond means for us. And Eric is actually the one that came up with it. Bravo. And we're realizing how important (laughs) it is because when people see the name, they automatically think of the first colloquial association of being a good person. And so they are engaged in that sense and and they want to be involved in the project because they understand that we're there to really present them in their best light Mm -hmm. and to create a beautiful community of people who are all engaged and and active in really trying to create um, the most authentic uh, terroir, French Mm -hmm. terroir Mm -hmm. and, and gastronomy. I don't really like the word authentic, but... I, I agree. No, I, of course. Um, and, and as you're going around, I mean, you've been to how many different regions so far? Um, I would say three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you started in January. Yes. So we're going into month four. Each month we're trying to do a new region. Um, and, and you're sleeping in the van, Marcel. Yes. That you, you bought and sort of refurbished. Yes. Marcel is a 1990 uh, Humeur, <laughs> which is a German... A uh, camping car or uh, an RV for mm-hmm. the American listeners. <laughs> and what's it sits the on the French uh, Peugeot G5? Yeah, Peugeot Motor. Yeah. And where where is it? Where is Marcel right now? He's in the suburbs at my cousin's actually. Okay. Because we don't have to pay. <laughs> that is a topic for another episode. <laughs> parking, in uh, parking in Paris. Um, so as you're going on this journey, you've been doing a whole lot of storytelling. Yes. On the website, which is beautiful, Thank on you. Instagram, on Facebook. Um, so there's there's that obvious narrative of, you know, you're you're meeting these people, you're sharing what they do, and then sharing those stories with, with the broader public. What is the other takeaway for you personally? You know, how will this inform whatever you do next? Um, but first, by learning new professions... It opens your horizons. Um, and those people actually have also uh, a lot to say about their the way they live and the, the way they do their work. So we learn on that aspect as well. Um, um, I'm not sure, actually. Maybe it's too soon to know. I mean, you've only been on the road for four months, but... Yeah, so we're, for us, it's true. This year could be considered a sabbatical. But it, for us, it's actually a moment of great discovery and exploration and professional development. So it's a time when we're able to reflect a lot upon a lot of things, things that we've learned in the past 10, 15, 20 years and move forwards with all of these new skills that we're acquiring as well. So we do have a few dreams and a few hopes and and uh, and potential projects that we could 
um, make concrete. But right now things are so in flux. And because you're living a very nomadic lifestyle, <laughs> things are in flux every single day. So we're picking up new trades, picking up new skills, um, realizing that there are obstacles for certain things that we had hoped for that won't necessarily be possible to do or like like what bureaucracy is mm, well, more challenging than we had imagined just in terms of where you can take the car or, or the the van where you can physically go and work temporarily i mean are those some of the obstacles or is it those are absolutely obstacles but also in terms of future projects things that we originally wanted to do but then realized the bureaucracy and the technical development of that certain project would be a whole new endeavor mm -hmm. because France is extremely strict on certain laws and mm -hmm. certain regulations and things like that. So. And what are some of the things that you've encountered along the way? Um, maybe it's even with one particular um, producer that you've uh, spent time with that has surprised you, you know, whether it's either the journey getting there. So any, something on the road or actually with, these producers? Well, um, I would say maybe like Cyril Zangs, Songs, who was the first uh, producer we met. Uh -huh. And uh, we were a bit like, uh, sh not shy, we were a bit anxious because yeah. he was our first producer. What does he make? He's making cider. He's making cider. He has a lot of um, varieties of apples. He just pick everything by hand with a goal, which is a big stick, like old fashioned. So this is in Normandy? In Normandy, exactly. Yeah. And the road there was a bit bumpy and everything. But anyway, we arrived there and it's like we've been friends forever. Yeah. It was amazing. Like we were, if they all like this and actually they all like, like this, <laughs> they're very, very, very uh, welcoming. They're sharing all their knowledge. Um, people, like sometimes we say they're a bit uh, uh, sauvage. They're a bit wild. wild. Because they don't know why you come here, why mm -hmm. you, you want to see their work. They don't really realize. But as soon as they understand that it's a sharing process and, and we just want to learn about them and it's not about us shining, it's um, it's a, a different relation. They're really open and, and they actually say, like, it's too cold. Come live come live at the house. Oh, wow. They cooked for us when we both cooks. <laughs> so we were like, this is amazing. And the cider is just amazing. Fantastic. And are these people who, um, because one of the big issues uh, concerning a lot of agricultural workers today is the, the, the price, the, the cost of what they're doing and the cost that they're able to sell these products, um, many, of, many of whom are, are selling also to uh, Grande Surface, you know, Monoprix yeah. and things like that. I imagine these are not people who sell to big stores However, the, the, the difficulty is, I imagine, the same. You have to, there's more and more, there's less value placed on the, the, the product itself and people are trying to get deals, people being the, the buyers. So is that part of what you've encountered um, in terms of the hardships that they face doing what they do? Absolutely. There's been a lot of different ways that these producers have coped with that. And that's also one of the beauties of working with these people is that you see how resourceful they are and how entrepreneurial they are. These are people who have either started in the profession when they were really young or converted recently. And therefore, they've really had to manage their stocks, manage their distribution. There are quite a lot of the producers that actually do supply for 
une grande distribution, mm -hmm. big suppliers, mm -hmm. because they financially have to. Right. And that's nothing to be ashamed of, and that's nothing to shy away from either if you are an, an artisanal producer and you need that to survive. income source. Mm -hmm. That's, that's um, you know, completely reasonable, and it doesn't detract from your product either. One thing that we have noticed is that people are reluctant to pay high prices for products and maybe something that's a little bit easier to understand and taking it slightly out of context is fashion. Mm -hmm. So people are very willing to pay a low price for a low quality item of clothing, which will be soon destroyed or ripped or thrown away very, very quickly with food. You can think about it kind of in the same way because it's consumed and enjoyed very quickly as well. So people have a hard time thinking, okay, I'm, why should I pay um, $60 for a very beautiful family bottle of champagne? Well, because there's a lot of time, a lot of love, and a lot of dedication that goes into that one bottle. And it's not only supporting the family, it's supporting all the people that pick the grapes, it's supporting all the people that bottle if they don't, if the house doesn't bottle themselves. It's a huge chain. It's not just direct, unless you're buying directly from the person. It's it's a bit contradictory in a way because, you know, the, the French tend to have this ethos of, um, maybe not an ethos, but the, uh, a deep understanding sort of instinctively of, we have so much heritage in this country that needs to be protected and supported. And so you get the sense that, at least on a surface level, people understand why they, why wine costs what it does, why fromage, you know, varies according to season and, and will, you know, the price will, will vary as well. Um, and so it almost seems like there are certain products, whether it's fruits and vegetables or whatever, that they're willing to make certain sacrifices for. And, what you're saying is very interesting, and I'm just wondering why they make that distinction. You know, why there are certain products that they will always understand, and and maybe are more willing just naturally to pay the high price for, and not for others. Um, I guess it's also a question of taste. I don't know. Um, for cheese, well, I've come from a family we eat cheese like <laughs> regularly. We're not kidding with cheese yeah. here, <laughs> and. Um, and cheese was always big cost, actually. It always cost. So I think we're used to certain products being expensive. We know that champagne is going to be expensive, but we also know that a good cremo is cheaper and sometimes better. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we, we have alternatives, but there is always the le paraître as well. So we're going to drink cremo in the family, and then when friends come, we get the champagne. <laughs> 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 but um, I don't know. It's probably a generational thing as well. Um, but... I mean, do you think consumers, though, are starting to pay more attention? Or do you think that this is still, you know, you, you have a lo longer way to go to for people to understand why, like what you said in the beginning, you know, you, you see a name and a producer on a menu at a restaurant or a wine, or, you know, a wine bar, and you don't really know why that's special. The restaurant owner does, or the bar owner does, or the chef does, but and the average person... Job. Right, and it's job. their job to talk about exactly. it. So, so do you think that, you know, consumers are... Yes, they're missing part of the story, but do you think they want to know that other side of the story? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think it's a good a way to sell things because 
you, you, you're telling a story behind that. So people are more willing to understand why it costs so much or a bit more. Or um, what, what's different between that product and another one? Well, there is no sulfite in that one and the guy takes care. He has to be very careful. Um, I think, yeah. And if you also, there is something, if you eat seasonal, it's not that expensive. Well, this is the big conversation. Even in the United States, people, it's like the media can't stop talking about that. And it doesn't, it doesn't no, it's get bizarre. into, yeah, they don't, they can't like absorb that information. It's like, well, the thing with the United States in terms of eating seasonally and locally is that for a very long time, things have been available all year round. And people have never questioned where things are coming from. Mm hmm if they're truly in season, how they were produced. And I'd say in the last 10, 15 years, people have really started to pay attention. Farmer's market movement is huge in the United States now. Then when you transfer that culture and that understanding of food to Europe, it's a bit different just because of socioeconomic and political history. But Traditionally, people in France are a little bit more in touch with the seasons, a little bit more in touch with the markets, a little bit more mm -hmm. in touch with the farms. But that's also because we've had, um, there's, a, there's a smaller distance between the city and the farm in Europe because the country is just smaller. Mm -hmm. So less distribution, smaller, um, smaller distances between the farmer and the city as well. So mm -hmm. that, that connection is a little bit more established. It's, it's interesting. I also think the media does play a role in this because Absolutely. they've done, and, and I say they, the collective they, but you know, there's the food magazines and then there's the business magazines that have looked at agriculture and seasonal eating and, and farmers from all different angles. And I think even on television, you know, with, with the Top Chef shows, which you can say have their their positives and negatives in, in a number of ways, but the one perhaps positive is to show through these chefs how easy it can be to to work with seasonal products. Mm. Um, and to access as well. And access. What do you think the next step is going to be? Like how do we, your stories, how do we get that in front of the broader audience? You know, like the the producers that you're you're writing stories about, like where do you want to take that? I think that with the greater level of engagement with the larger public and the desire to want to know how these things are made and and how they are um, transported as well is definitely crucial to our project. There's a huge movement looking at artisanal, traditional methods of making things. And so that, of course, is wonderful for us because not only are we involved in a larger community, but uh, we're actively part of it. And also what you're doing in Paris this week yes. is cooking at Café Mericourt. Uh, the owner has been on the show, Guy Griffin. Wonderful he talked about guy. breakfast. Um, and so you're taking over, you took over last night yes, and tonight. And what I thought was really special was in the sort of promotion for the pop-up dinners, you're talking about the ingredients that you're using and who they came from. And again, I imagine that's going to be sort of part of, if you continue to do events a little bit all over, I imagine that that is going to be the red thread through. Yeah, every time we discover... Um a new artisan, we, we try to use his products. Um, that, so we have the uh, mini veggies from Eric Roy, the, the poulet from the Ferme de Grand Villain, 
and some condiments from uh, Fleurier. So it's the good thing as well with those products, and people should understand that when you buy good products, there is not much to do. It's, you need salt and pepper, and yeah. uh, that's it. We don't. I, we bought some meat, and uh, we bought the sauce to go with it. Or we made a sauce, and and we realized the meat is so good that we actually don't need anything to go with it. There's a, been a trend about really making chefs look like rock stars. <laughs> but it's actually mm -hmm. the product that's the rock star and the farmer that's the rock star. Because if they are the ones that are creating the gorgeous products, we don't have much transformation to do on the product. We don't have a lot of work to do. And so our jobs as cooks is really to let the product talk. And to communicate with the larger public, look, I found this amazing chicken. It's raised on essential oils, like the chicken from the film, de Grand Vilain. Did you know that it's a completely homeopathic bird and it hasn't had any antibiotics? Taste it. It's amazing. <laughs> and so it just speaks for itself. It speaks for itself, yes. But you need people like us, cooks, to be able to tell you these things or the waiters to be able to tell you these things. It's our job to tell you and let you discover with us. It's true. You do get more of that information, perhaps, in fine dining establishments. You know, they spend the time telling you, you know, we were really excited to have this uh, special wine or, or, you know, whatever it might be. And especially with cheese, that's a very common dialogue. Oh, the producer, we're really proud to work with them because they come from the region or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but, but at your average cafe or even in the, in the modern bistros, you don't get that level of dialogue, I don't think. Well, there's a different involvement, and it certainly depends on what type of establishment you go to. If you're going to go to a fine dining establishment, they're, they're probably going to communicate a little bit more about it. Um, for all the Americans out there, Portlandia, first episode, <laughs> where's the chicken from? You know. Um, but then when you go to places that are a little bit more informal, like bistros, corner, corner dining establishments, maybe they're not going to communicate all of those things to you, but still in France, they make a point to tell you where things are from. Right, but it doesn't go far enough, is I guess, you know, that's, I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's also what created some of the desire to do this. You were seeing that that's, it's a name. Yes. And, and that people really want to see this, these stories as well. Or maybe they don't even know that they want to see them, but then when they do, they want to know more. And that's something that's really important to So us. you've been getting a lot of engagement as you're documenting as you go along. You've gotten feedback from followers and readers that you, you know, like, oh, tell me more about this or this is so interesting. I never would have thought of that. Every day. And, and did you expect people to react in that way? I don't even. I didn't even expect people to follow us to be on the video. <laughs> I knew so. they would. When you told me about this, I was like... This is going to get some attention. Thank you. But I think it's really about surprising people and and people being um, engaged in a whole new way. And I, I think also people would like to do what we're doing. Mm. like they, Not even like just to go and see producers, but to, uh, to do something in their own interest, but to, take, to be able to take a year and discover something else. I think that helps as well a lot for the... We've had so many producers tell us, oh, I wish I could do your project. <gasps> yeah, so many people. Because there's such an amazing network of people all across the world who are really involved in maintaining traditions, creating new professions, using these 
uh, traditional methods. And it's it's something that fascinates everyone. Mm -hmm. And on a daily basis, we get messages from people. We've started getting fan mail, which is just such an honor because we never thought that people would want to be engaged with us or want to follow our journey. Part of it is that you put yourselves forward as well. Not I'm not in the sense that it's about you. I know that's not your goal. Um, but people want to connect with a human story. So it's both the producers and then you, the humans who are doing this. And I think that's spe- that speaks to people. And it's inspiring. You know, you're taking a year off. You're not doing something that everyone could feel capable of doing. So that's that speaks volumes to a lot of people. I'm I'm Every time I see you guys cooking on your little hot plates, I'm... We're getting better at it because at the beginning it was a lot of tins and cans, to be honest with you. But I've seen some things that yeah, she's, that you've posted that you've been cooking and I'm like, can you come over and do that at my place? Because... <laughs> if we can park, yeah. Okay, you're going to have to talk to Mayor Hidalgo about that. Um, Anne. Anne, Anne come on. <laughs> Let's give us a little bit of a, a fee waiver. Um... So what's next? Where 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 are you off to after this pop up week is over? Where where we're do you going, take the van? Uh, we we driving to the south to take the boat to Corsica for a month. Yeah. Wow. So all the Corsicans out there that are listening, uh, <gasps> we're coming for you. You pick it up at Nice, Toulon. At Toulon, okay. Yeah. <gasps> Gorgeous. Toulon and you're going to be there before the the high tourist season. Which exactly. Is good. And actually, the the thing in Corsica, if if you want to see producers and see how they work and get the best of the products, you have to go in the winter and maybe just like us before the the end, because like Bruch, Brucho, for example, which is a special cheese from Corsica, is not produced in the summer and things like that. So you, normally, you're not supposed to find any. And so you're going all over the island. Yes, we're going all over the island. There's an amazing food festival on the 28th and 29th of April called Arte Gusto. And so we're going to go participate in that. And then we're going to go see a saffron producer and cheese and charcuterie. And Corsican charcuterie and Corsican cheese are very famous. It's fascinating. Yep. We're so, so lucky. You don't have room for a third in that van, do you? We do. We do. And it's actually... Pretty cheap rent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm excited that you're going to be at Café Maricourt again tonight. Thank you. You'll be doing an all-veggie menu. Actually, we're going to use some of the chicken uh, because we Didier and Veronique were extremely generous with us. And so if anyone wants to try the chicken, oh, I'll good. raise some essential oils. Oh, good. My husband will be thrilled. Oh, yes. Yeah. Me too, but him especially because it is succulent. Like he has trouble with all veggie no meat. Yeah, <laughs> can understand. That. But this is fascinating. I had no idea that that's the backstory on the chicken. So I yeah. can't wait for it's. I can't wait to discover it. It's next level. <laughs> next level. And for people who would like to know more about the producers they've met so far and where you can find their products in Paris, Lee's has generously uh, contributed a little piece to LostInCheeseLand.com where you can find. The first five, I believe, producers that you've uh, you've met, and I can't wait to keep following this journey. Where can people find you at? Uh, Bonfond.fr, so B-O-N-F-O-N-D dot F-R, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. B-O-N-F-O-N-D. Perfect. You, you've got yourselves a beautiful project here. Congratulations on Thank you very much the success so far, Thank and. You. Uh, you know, keep bringing those that good stuff into Paris. Come back and do more pop-ups. Sure, with pleasure. <laughs> and until next time, you can follow New Paris Podcast on Twitter and 
send us your questions and comments, and we'll try to address them on the next episode. A bientôt.